Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Talks Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your afternoon again today. Hey, hey. Joined in studio, as always, by our executive producer extraordinaire, Krista Baruti. I was kind of wanting you to sing that intro. I don't know why. I was kind of feeling like a show tune. Like, welcome to Top Talks. I might, I, might, I might try to think about that, getting into it uh, next time we go on air live. Maybe I'll sing it in we'll when we come in. I'll give you some vocal lessons. It is one of my favorite intros. I love that. I love that intro. Thank you. It was done by... <laughs> um, Published music composer and voice talent, Krista Baruti. Hello. Hey, see? Enough about me. Who do we have in the studio well, today? Well, I'm really happy to have uh, our guest today back in studio with us. You joined us back when I was just a newbie. You would think that I would have gotten better at this since I started, but unfortunately <laughs> the experience for you will be much the same. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Ellie Campbell, and uh, I got to know her when we have... Uh, from getting to know the physicians in the area around our practice up at Northside Forsyth, and she's a primary care physician, but uh, with a special focus. She uh, works in the space of integrative medicine, um, which kind of pays attention to a lot of things that some uh, more of the traditional medical practice may or may not do. And she can talk a little bit about that because she started out in the traditional family practice or primary care kind of space and and, uh, evolved to be where she is today. And now she's helping patients get some amazing outcomes when it appears that they have a hard time getting a, a good positive outcome elsewhere. So Ellie Campbell, thanks for joining us. You had a little bit of an odyssey getting here today. I did. You moved studios on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, did. We, we we swapped it up today. We're and... learning that CW is really good at directions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they yeah, can so hear we were debating before we started today. The, <laughs> were we the, the, debating? The, well, no, no. It was ganging up on CW to talk <laughs> about did, the fact I that my did. directions... It's a good thing that I'm not writing clinical documents too much anymore. <laughs> I can just talk about it now and leave that the, the details to the experts. But I made it before airtime. You so did well before airtime. Yeah, right in the middle of the other show, our phone was right, ringing. CW. We're like, we're not answering the phone. <laughs> so, talk about integrative medicine, and, and and before that, we can kind of rewind and take us through your history because you started out in sure. primary care. You've been doing. Uh, you know, primary care delivery for a long period of time, and then you've kind of specialized beyond where you, where you started. I did. So, you know, I was traditionally trained. I'm an osteopathic physician, but I went to the Medical College of Georgia to do my family medicine residency. So I did that and followed the best guidelines of the best experts in the world treating my patients. The more I treated my diabetics, hypertensive, coronary patients, asthma patients, following everybody's guidelines... I got really good at that, but my patients didn't seem to get better. In fact, historically, longitudinally, when I look at them, they seem to actually get worse. Patients over that time frame gained more weight. They were more depressed. They had more chronic inflammatory disease, more autoimmune disease. I'm thinking if I'm doing the best job of the best government guidelines, the best medical ivory tower guidelines, what have I missed? What am I overlooking? And I started looking forward in the calendar realized that um, my three daughters were going to be having their first period when I had menopause. And that was a cruel trick from above that hormonally <laughs> we were going to have. ironic, isn't it? We were going to have this <laughs> hormonal mess in our house. And I started 
preparing myself <laughs> for the inevitable. And in that journey, I was introduced to natural medicine, to integrated medicine, with the introduction in my first conference to bioidentical hormone therapy. So I started learning about progesterone and, and not medroxyprogesterone acetate, not the Provera that we use in traditional medicine, but progesterone, which at that time was available but very rarely used because we used the pharmaceutical agent instead. Well, my my mentors taught me, go back to science and physiology, go back to fundamentals, review the menstrual cycle, where is progesterone made, what is its use, how does it work, and if the fault is that we have an estrogen-dominant situation with not enough progesterone, then shouldn't the treatment be using progesterone, mm-hmm. not using the birth control pill, not using Prozac to, ma- to manage these symptoms? And that made unbelievable sense to me to get back to fundamentals and learn about science and physiology. So on that journey, very quickly, you realize progesterone's not the panacea to all medical problems, but it is an entry point where I started my traditional journey back to basics and learning about the basics of thyroid function, the basics of adrenal function, the basics of gut function. And once you go back to your science and physiology, you all of a sudden realize that drugs aren't really the way to solve the problems. And that that seems to be obviously a big thing these days in medicine. And, and I, I think that maybe it's driven by a couple of things, e- economics being one, right. obviously a huge one, because um, there's a lot of money to be made by selling a variety of pills and keeping somebody on it for, uh, for a all long of time, their days. for their life. Um, but beyond that, I'm sure that some measure is driven by patients as well. I, I, if I don't feel well, I want to go in, you give me a pill, I'll take the pill, I feel better. Right. Simple. And that works a lot of time. You know, also our reimbursement model is mostly based on quantity, not quality of care. So the more patients that you see, the higher your reimbursement rate is going to be. So if I can see you for 25 seconds, you tell me two symptoms, I give you two drugs, you leave and I see the next patient, that's a high rate of reimbursement. But if I go and listen to your entire story, it's going to take a long time. And I'm only going to be able to see one patient in that 30 minutes instead of three and get to the root cause by using some of the natural things that we can talk about as we go through this time together. Um, It's a non-viable methodology to care for patients in our current system. So I had to step outside that box of traditional care. And 10 years ago in August, I left my traditional practice and started my private, solo, integrative medicine practice, where I would Patients would pay me, uh, they old-fashioned way, with their cash, hard-earned money for by the hour for however long it took us to work together. And mostly, I started seeing patients who were dissatisfied with that system because mm-hmm. there's some who want the pill. You know, just tell me what pill to take, and I'm out of here. I want the easiest way to get the fastest symptom relief. Others, especially after they've been on five, ten, twenty, thirty prescription drugs, believe that this is not the long-term answer. Even with Good insurance plans um, or Medicare uh, medical plans that cover drugs. I'm sure, particularly when you're on several medications and some in particular that can have huge patient obligations, even if you do have insurance, that that begins to add up pretty significantly from a cost outlay. Absolutely. And, And it seems that the older the patient, the more likely they are to just take the prescription drugs. You know, right. they trust their doctors implicitly and yeah. whatever you say doctor is what I'll do. And if they've seen five different prescri- 
five different specialists, each of them likely to prescribe two, three, or four drugs, but nobody's checking what the other doctors are doing, and there's often no captain of the ship. And, uh, and their, their care suffers, and their outcomes suffer. So uh, n- not the least of which is the drug nutrient in, uh, depletions. You know, so many doctors are unaware of simple things. For example, if you read the package insert on metformin, which we use for treating diabetes, mm-hmm. it expressly states that the long-term use of this drug can result in vitamin B12 depletion. Well, vitamin B12 depletion causes numbness and tingling in patients' feet. But so, so we're does actually diabetes. setting them on the case to a symptom that is right. It, so does is diabetes it mirroring neuropathy? It then? mirrors neuropathy. Uh, so we start treating them now with gabapentin because it's not they have really neuropathy. neuropathy. It's it's just B12. It's B12 deficiency. Okay, wow. and so we get them on vitamin B12, and their numbness and tingling goes away. Now, when you're putting somebody, you're you're going to treat that patient. You've determined because I'm sure there's some sort of diagnostic studies you can do, blood tests or something. Sure, like for that. B12 we can. Right, and so when you determine that somebody has a deficiency in the B12, um, is it go and pick up a vitamin B sub- supplement? Is it that simple? How do, you tr- how do you address it? Sometimes in my office, I use a lot of injection therapy where we can just because vitamin B12 is very cheap and it works really well. And that when we give it um, injectably, we know the patient receives the full dose. When we give it orally, I would be willing to, get, to guess somewhere in upwards of 80% of our patients have a gut issue of some kind mm-hmm. with reduced absorption for a whole variety of reasons we can talk about. Um, you don't know really how much of that B12 they're taking. Even if they do it sublingually or intranasally, um, you're not sure that they're getting that full dose. Another piece of that that um, traditionally trained doctors are just now beginning to understand that integrative doctors have been aware of for a decade or longer is the ubiquitous presence of a genetic mutation called the MTHFR gene mutation. This is methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, and this is an enzyme in the pathway that takes vitamin B12 to homocysteine. And if it's deficient, homocysteine levels will go up. Um, that, those patients can't be treated with traditional cyanocobalamin. It won't work. They won't replace their vitamin B12 because they're missing the enzyme hmm. that takes it downstream. I describe it this way. I say if you're, um, if you're a B vitamin floating in Lake Lanier and you need to get over uh, the dam at Buford Dam to go downstream the Chattahoochee River to do all the good things that B vitamins do, mm-hmm. you, the dam has to put little floaties on your, on your arms. It has to methylate you to get over the dam and downstream to do all the good things. Well, some of those vitamins are going to float downstream even if they haven't been methylated, but most won't. And in this genetic deficiency, you can have, there's two main genes, and we test for both of them. If you have a double whammy where you get both genetic, both genes impaired, your methylation um, efficiency is 70 to 80% reduced. These people do not do well on B12. I can give them a B12 shot every single day, and they will not get better. But if I give them hydroxo B12 or methyl B12, we can overcome that deficiency, replace their vitamin B12, and then treat the hundreds of pathways that methyl B12 is utilized in in the body. We've been talking with integrative medicine primary care specialist, Dr. Ellie Campbell, somebody we've known now for several years, clearly learning that there are a lot of opportunities out there for patients who are not feeling well in a host of ways, whether it's diabetic management, weight management, uh, you name it. Um, there's some very interesting things that I find very compelling that it that it's not a bigger part of 
as we talked about earlier, the setting where you started the traditional uh, primary care space. But I guess the reason why is that's driven largely by what you talked about that caused you kind of to evolve to where you are today, and that is time. I don't have the time necessarily in my traditional family practice or primary care office to really conduct the type of interview and and one-on-one interaction with a person to really learn about their environmental um, influences, their their dietary intake, all those types of things that can affect all of these things. Um, And and that ultimately made you move over into, some call it concierge medicine, some call it direct pay. Um, What do you, what do you, think is the the best way to describe direct pay is probably the best word you know concierge i think implies a um an elitist i agree with that that. it sounds like it's out of reach but it's really not and it really isn't in fact for many of our patients with these complex diseases they spend on me in a year less than their co-payments for their drugs were before they started to see me Mm -hmm. so if I can take them off drugs now for the next 10 years, they've saved tenfold what they would have been spending otherwise. Not to and mention general, they feel better. Yes, I was going to say, not right? to mention just their general state of well-being. Right. So I, I, that's why I find this kind of specialty very intriguing is because – uh, you're you're able to take somebody that's starting to look like or feel like gosh there's just uh, there's not, no hope I'm, I'm not getting any better I'm on all these medicines I have all these doctors and yet I'm, I feel just as bad today I just have to go to Walgreens a whole lot that's right so so I started enlarging my black bag getting more and more tools to put in my little black bag and they are myriad when we start to study integrative medicine. Certainly hormones are a piece of what I do that I didn't do as much before. Mm-hmm. I use a lot more um, T3 than I did just Synthroid when I was a traditional doctor. Now I use T3, T4 combination therapy. Sometimes it's available in a prescription like Armour Thyroid or Nature Thyroid. Sometimes it has to be specialty compounded. It depends on the patient's physiology, metabolic needs, um, their genetic makeup, their detoxification pathways. And we look and test and measure these things. We look at um, genetic polymorphisms much more than I used to when I was a traditional MD. I do stool stool studies, stool tests, diagnostic stool cultures, and we look at digestive markers in the stool, looking for things like digestive enzyme capacity, small bowel bacterial overgrowth, things that are traditionally on the gastroenterologist checklist, but they don't do them. Well, how often are you going to a GI physician anyway? Well, in our experience, a lot of patients go to GI doctors for unresolved reflux. Like GERD, yeah. Right. And and then they get an upper endoscopy and maybe some biopsies. And and then they're told, there's nothing we can do for you. You just need to take this drug for the rest of your life. (laughs) Oh, by the way, this drug happens to deplete not only vitamin B12, but calcium absorption, and it's going to cause osteoporosis. So now in the next room, I have my bone density machine as a gastroenterologist because all the drugs that I prescribe are causing so much osteoporosis in my patients that I have to be checking and evaluating them for osteoporosis from my treatment. That's convenient. Yes. Wow. And you know we're, we'll get we'll get into uh, the gut function. Can you share if we if we need to save it for another uh, episode? We can certainly do that. But for the person that's listening that's not familiar with the direct pay model, um, because I know that there's numerous physicians in Georgia that uh, offer this kind of care as a as a doctor to their patients. But it, they're, you're you're on the minority in terms of just being able to easily find somebody uh, in the space. So how does it work? If I if I come to you because uh, I know you don't. 
interface with insurance now. I it's do all not. directly with the patient. So if I'm an insured person, say some of the care out there in the world that I may, whether I go to a, a different specialist that I may require or hospitalization, whatever it may end up being that I would need to use my insurance for, can I still use your services? Yeah, absolutely. And many people do. Um, most concierge or direct pay practices, as we prefer to be called, utilize a monthly membership model. So you pay your monthly fee to hold your slot in the practice. Whether you're seen that month or not, you pay the same amount of money. What that does is it permits the clinician to limit their practice size. Most direct care practices carry a practice load of somewhere around 400 or 600 patients per year, Whereas when I was a traditional MD in the practice, I had 3,000 patients. So (laughs) from 600 to 3,000 is a big difference. And in my practice right now, I have about 220 patients. I'd like to get up to about 300. I have a little more for for my office. I would like to only carry 300 active patients. That's a tenth of the number of volume that I used to carry. The reason I want a small volume like that is I accept very complicated patients. In the integrative medicine, most direct pay doctors do not do integrated medicine, and they're just seeing traditional patients. My patients are very complex. I typically see patients who have been to 25 or 30 doctors are answerless, have no solutions and no hope that they'll ever get better. We need to have a couple of folks come on with you and talk about that from the patient's perspective. Mm -hmm. They can share a little bit about their journey through specialist after specialist in months or years of time where they were trying to find out what's going on with me, why am I not getting better, then you know, can describe from the patient side of things. One, uh, I know one of the big benefits, particularly for the type of patient that you're talking about, somebody that has either chronic diseases like uh, uh, diabetes or yes. some other type of problem that tends to be a chronic one, where having such close interaction with you, ready interaction with you uh, night and day. Yes. Um, and you can share a little bit about how that works for the patient too, because that's certainly distinctly different than what most people are aware of and, and used to with relation to how they can interface with their physician through yes. a variety of channels. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to have some patients come on with you sometime. We'll have to work that out to where you can come on and have somebody talk about what was their experience like before and, and what happened with me once I got into this kind of delivery model and, and being able to look at the things that you're looking at, changing some things in the patient's daily life that now all of a sudden I'm not taking 5, 10, 15 or more different types of medications right. and how I feel. Absolutely. I yeah, that'd that would be, be fun. great. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. And so talk about that real quickly and then we'll talk about uh, gut function because we want to have people understand there's some simple things that they can do that might have a dramatic impact on their state of health. But Share with the patient when they when they interface with a doctor like you through that direct pay kind of relationship, it's not just me. I'm not using getting to use my insurance and 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 all. There's right. some major benefits yeah, for having this well, kind of relationship. Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits. I mean, first of all, I have this really large black bag with tools their other doctors didn't have, so that gives us answers their other doctors couldn't find because they didn't know how to look for and them. And these are all evidence based things that you're absolutely, doing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, And it's surprising to me how often I find the evidence that I have to share with the specialist. And it puts me in an awkward position, for example, where I have to call a patient who had biopsies for their small intestinal problem. And the gastroenterologist took one biopsy of their duodenal bulb for screening for celiac disease. But their own guidelines suggest a minimum of six biopsies. And they only did one. So I have to send the patient back to the specialist and say, would you please repeat the procedure and follow your guidelines and get six biopsies? (laughs) 
And then, by the way, when you get the biopsy report back, could you read it? Because it says partial small villus atrophy. That's the diagnostic criteria for celiac disease. And you missed it because it wasn't full thickness atrophy. Mm-hmm. But the patient had a history of also microscopic colitis, which is another symptom of celiac disease that they got from their other gastroenterologist who couldn't figure out what their problem was <laughs> right. when they came to see you. So if we put all the pieces together, we now have an official diagnosis of celiac disease. Now that you're in the community, you've been practicing in this way in the integrative medicine specialty for a while, and you've been in the community where your office is located for a while now, are you finding that the practice of the some of those specialists that you end up interfacing along the way with some of these com- complex patients? Do you find that some of their practices are changing at least somewhat in, in, in relation to some of these I would like to, to think patients? that they are. And I think that, you know, because I had so many years in the community, my credibility as being um, well-rounded and evidence-based mm-hmm. is, is excellent. Mm-hmm. And so they trust from me information that they might not have trusted if I just walked in as an integrative doctor new off the streets. Mm-hmm. So that helps. But my patients have access to me by phone and email. We do sometimes video conferencing. And it's 24-7 that they it have. It is 24-7. Yeah. They're very respectful about it for the most part. And when you only have a small patient volume, you're not getting the in, end of the night calls like you used to when you were had 3,000 patients, which is why doctors have to rotate call. They can only take call every third night because they're up all night when they're on call. I take call 24-7 for 10 years, and I rarely get bothered. You know, I even take call when I'm on vacation sometimes um, because the calls are few and far between. But, for example, yesterday I had a patient with a urinary tract infection. We sent her prescription to the, to the um, pharmacy, and they didn't receive it. I have documentation of the time I faxed it, but apparently they never received it. So she called me at home this morning, 7.30. I'm sorry to bother you, but my pharmacy doesn't have your prescription. That's no problem. I'll call it right in. And so she was able to get me one phone call one time. In another office, you know, it would be she'd call. The office is closed for inclement weather day. So you're getting the on-call doctor. The on-call doctor doesn't know what the matter is, has no access to the records, doesn't want to see you, is going to send you back to the urgent care for a second (laughs) visit so that you can get the prescription that you need. And I really think that that personal connection, too, is a part of the healing. It is. You know, when you have that peace of mind, I can call you at home in the morning because I didn't get my medication, then... I'm going to feel a lot better. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's important, mm-hmm. too. I, I, I have no doubt about that. Oh, I'm sure your patients are extremely loyal and get, a, just like Krista is describing, a sense of well-being, knowing that my doctor's literally at my fingertips. If, if I don't come with a set of those kind of complex problems... Can just, you still see me? Can I still... <laughs> you know, does, do I still gain benefit from having a primary care physician like you? I think absolutely, and one of the... Um, one of the lessons that we're learning is we're starting to look at advanced lipid markers. So we're, we know that 50% of all patients have heart attacks when they have normal cholesterol. And for half of people with a cardiovascular event, sudden death is their first symptom. That was my dad. Right? Mm-hmm. The year so, from where I stand right now. Yeah. So wouldn't we like to know who's at risk for cardiovascular disease? Mm-hmm. Obviously, cholesterol is not telling us the answer. Well, it turns out there are some answers if we dig deep and look hard. And it comes not only in looking at your genetic polymorphisms, and there's some screening tests that we can do to look at your genes and who might be at greater risk, um, specifically in the APOE category. We also can look at some genetics and how you metabolize drugs, which drugs might be more appropriate for you than others. Uh, Even aspirin, there's a genetic 
set of population who needs much higher dose aspirin to get the antiplatelet benefit than the 81 milligram than the average aspirin. patient. Uh. And we can look at those aspirin works numbers and tell you, oh, you're on aspirin, but it's not enough. You're not getting the effect that you need to. So um, we look at inflammation markers, myeloperoxidase. We look at um, lipoprotein numbers, these molecules that carry cholesterol into the arteries. We can do advanced testing using ultrasound to look at the carotid intima media thickness of your arteries and see, are your arteries pliable and soft? Are they already starting to get hardened? Because those patients may be asymptomatic and on a path to that early death, but they didn't know it. So if you find that, can you do some things that will so reverse it? So many things that we can do. And some of them are drugs, but we revert. We leave those to our last choice. Lifestyle changes, exercise, sleep, screening for sleep apnea. Often that's not done until very late stage, until after the patient's already diabetic, until after the patient's already had a stroke. Then we start looking at CPAP as a secondary prevention. Well, I'd like to do it first. Mm -hmm. um, we can use niacin fish oil, vitamin D, many, many nutritional in, um, interventions as well as dietary interventions. Teach the patient how to eat. Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And it is a forgotten... <laughs> I think that that is true. It is a forgotten tenet in medicine today. Dr. Ellie Campbell has been sharing some excellent information about the, the style of medicine that she's practicing in integrative medicine. It's primary care delivery where we're focusing on a wide range of factors that can have a role in my state of health from dietary kind of considerations, environmental considerations. We've talked about some of those types of things in the past. Uh, and just the fact that uh, as a physician who practices on a direct pay model, you actually have the ability to have a doctor at your fingertips who can be available to answer your questions and, and uh, kind of guide you through the process of achieving greater sense of wellness. And so let's shift gears a little bit. We we'll talk about the 4R program. That's something that uh, I know is important. Yeah. So Tell me about it. So we talk about the gut. You know, the gut begins in the mouth and ends in the anus. And there's a lot of stuff that happens between those two points. Um, certainly, we talk about nutrient absorption. Digestion begins in the mouth. So we need to chew our food much more slowly than most of us are accustomed to. Get those digestive enzymes, amylase from the saliva to mix with the food to start the digestive process and move things downstream. But when you get into the small intestine, up to 80% of your immune system is located mm -hmm. within one cell of the lining of your gut. So when your gut is not right, your immune system is not right. And how many patients do we see that have evidence of a disturbed immune system? Because either they can't fight a chronic infection, mm -hmm. because they have an autoimmune condition, or because they um, have symptoms that are related to chronic low-grade recurrent infections, chronic sinusitis, chronic tonsillitis, chronic bronchitis. These are disturbed immune systems. And when the patients have those, the first thing I think of is not an antibiotic. The first thing I think of is what's the matter with your gut? Why is your gut perturbed? Why is your immune system not right? And what can we do to fix it? Mm -hmm. So the 4R program is a, is a framework that we use in integrative medicine to help identify what the patient's have that we have to eliminate for them to have better gut function, or what are they missing that we need to add for them to have better gut function? 
We know that, for example, as we age, we tend to lose stomach acid. So many people with symptoms of indigestion don't have high stomach acid. They don't have hyperacidity. They have hypochlorhydria. They need to be taking an acid supplement. <laughs> kind of counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. Completely the opposite of what the gastroenterologists tell us. Most patients with those symptoms don't have too much stomach acid. They have acid in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the reason is because that drop in pH opens the pyloric sphincter to start the digestive process. Without that surge of stomach acid, food sits in the stomach too long, backwashes up the esophagus. Now, is that something that makes you start? <clears throat> so you get heartburn. <clears throat> Not because you had too much stomach acid, because your acid wasn't draining down into the small intestines where it belonged. It was sitting in the stomach too long. So if we can simply open that sphincter by chewing more slowly, presenting the food to the stomach, recognizing that there's food there, and having an acid surge at the beginning of the meal, we can start all kinds of things happening. European cultures do this all the time. They give bitters at the beginning of the meal. That starts the digestive process. That starts the biliary flow. That begins digestion. We don't. We drive through and start wolfing before we even have our turn <laughs> signal like, turned on. This. That's, right. Here's That's some me. French fries. You know, and then we wonder, down at one time. wonder why we have indigestion. Mm -hmm. So one of the R's being remove offending substances from the diet. This is one of my least favorite ones, but it's probably one of the more important ones, it's I would presume. incredibly important. You know, we think about... Um, Food allergy. A yeah. lot of people know about food allergy, IgE-mediated allergy. I eat peanuts. I swell up right, like a puffer fish. Right. Those are common. People know about those. And dramatically increased in frequency. You know, when we were in, in school, and in grade school, nobody had kids in their class. Is that in their class. related to the genetically modified things that we're doing now? Partly or? related. It's a multifactorial process. But the real reason is our gut is not right. Those kids are anaphylactic because their immune system's on high alert, because their guts have been trashed, because they've been on too many antibiotics, they have too high of a stress level, their natant cortisol levels are too high, and that doesn't even count if they've been taking boluses of prednisone, which many children have done. Um, their guts aren't right, and so their immune systems are on high alert. We can reverse that in many cases. We can get kids who have even anaphylaxis to not be anaphylactic anymore, to be able to stop, carry their EpiPens wow, around. life-changing, obviously. Yeah. So what's the process like to determine where I stand? Because I'm sure that it's probably a somewhat measured uh, individually in terms of my it response is. to whatever I'm eating. So how do right. you determine? So, um, classically, the allergist will do an elimination diet. That's a very labor-intensive and not very fun thing to do. We put you on chicken and asparagus. And rice. Sounds like my paleo diet. And so then you just start adding and things. And that's all you're allowed to eat for two weeks, and then we can start introducing one food at a time every fourth day. And so if I do that, if I do chicken, rice, and asparagus for two weeks, um, and I have a potato, yes, what happens to me if I'm If sensitive? you're sensitive, you're likely to get inflamed. And, and that may manifest I... itself in any myriad of ways. I've taken, I've discovered food sensitivities on patients and resolved eczema, psoriasis, blephritis, heartburn, indigestion, joint pain, um, back pain, um, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, um, migraine headaches. Um, that's the short list that I can remember off the top of my head. From food, just 
from food, <laughs> <And> the, one <laughs> intervention. As I as I read the piece that uh, that you gave me to kind of prepare for today, I mean, the, the challenge for me as a food-loving mm-hmm. addict kind of person about food, um, things that I really, really like. Yes. Tomatoes, peppers, potatoes, eggplants. Yeah, those are the Wheat. those are the nightshade foods. Those are really inflammatory. Why? That's such a drag. It is such a drag. So there's some options. So first of all, if we can heal your gut, we may restore tolerance. Oh, that's okay. huge, right? So what's the process of restoring my gut? Remove is the first step. So for a period of time, let it recover. Let it recover. Replace what you're missing for optimal digestion. That's the second R. Sometimes that replacement involves using things like digestive enzymes. Sometimes that replacement involves stomach acid. Sometimes you need additional bile. How many people have had their gallbladder removed so they don't get a good wallop of bile when they eat, so they have maldigestion of fats. So we give them a supplement, a little thing to swallow that's got extra bile in it, and it emulsifies their fats, and they digest much better then. There's this other really tricky thing. Um, Many people are very histamine sensitive and didn't know it. Um, We think about histamine coming from our mast cells when we degranulate um, after an exposure to an allergen. So we get itchy eyes and stuffy nose and rash. But many foods are high in histamine, ripe and and aged foods. So many people will get, for example, indigestion if they eat a brown spotty banana, but not if they eat a light yellow one. Because the aging increases the histamine, they get this histamine burden, and then they get symptoms. Now, there's an enzyme in your gut called diamine oxidase. It breaks down histamine. When your gut is trashed, you lose your diamine oxidase. So for a short while, we supplement with diamine oxidase, restore tolerance, and over time, we rebuild that microvilli, we rebuild that gut lining, and then you don't need to take that supplement anymore because you make it on your own. (laughs) It's, right. it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I find myself as I every time I talk to you, I, I sit and find myself going, well, how come we're not all talking about this? How come every doctor isn't talking about this? Right. Um, and I think that answer is so multifactorial. You know, if you got on PubMed right now or if you went on um, uh, Google Scholar and you Googled um, histamine oxidase and histamine, you would find hundreds of articles in respected medical journals, in Mm -hmm. the gut, in Journal of Gastroenterology about this. But it's a supplement. There's no drug. There's no drug company pushing the agenda. Uh, So there's not billions to be made if I tell you about it. Exactly right. And then if I resolve your heartburn and you don't have to take Prilosec. You don't come back. You don't you come away. back. I lose my patient. I One lose of my favorite my... things to be told. Right. I don't want to lose my patient. Right. So the patients get better. They're less needing the healthcare system. <laughs> what a problem. There's less right. dollars to right. be made. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. It really, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So... so one of the one of the other ones that we talked about or didn't get to yet is re-inoculate. You got to re-inoculate, yeah, re-inoculate the bowel with, with pre probi- and probiotics. Right. So probiotics. You know the human micro- microbiome project. Um, if I look at the CW organism before me, he is ninety nine percent viral, bacterial, and fungal DNA, and one percent human DNA. What? Well, you've been summed up. <laughs> you oh. are an ecosystem. <laughs> You're a tropical rainforest of other DNA that is not human. I'm a mutt. 
We all are. And so what we're just beginning to learn about how that microbiome, you know, a human being has 25,000 genes. A a wheat plant has 96,000 genes. Why do we only have 25,000 genes? Mm -hmm. Because we depend on the other 99% of that DNA to run our machinery for us. We are totally interdependent upon those bacteria that live on our skin, in our hair, between our toes, and in our gut. And when that gut bacteria gets perturbed because we've eaten genetically modified food, Mm -hmm. because we've ingested too many pesticides, herbicides, toxin, because we're consuming water from plastic bottles with bisphenol A, which is an endocrine disruptor. Glass bottle, CW. Hey, I'm so proud that? of you. Boss, what, what? <laughs> Out of um, the tap. <laughs> and we consume endocrine disruptors, and we drink municipal water that contains hormones, and we, we consume all these agents that we ingest, absorb, inhale. We perturb our gut microflora. We have to get them back to normal. And one of the ways we can do that is to take a probiotic capsule. And it's a remarkable thing. We've resolved eczema with just a probiotic. I've seen kids not need their asthma inhaler anymore. And their only intervention was to take vitamin D and a probiotic. So if I hook up with Jamie Lee Curtis and I eat her yogurt, is that going to get me on the right track? Unfortunately, <laughs> usually not. There's not enough um, uh colony count of those so everybody, everybody who thinks if all I got to do is eat some yogurt they're, and they now, may not be and getting that it. works to maintain you once you're healthy you know when you think about traditional cultures aboriginal cultures everybody has a fermented food whether at sauerkraut or kimchi or yogurt every culture has a fermented food very high in probiotic mm. and that works great when you're not taking antibiotics working 60 hour work weeks taking mm. prednisone using inhaled nasal steroids all the things that we do to perturb our gut not to mention take those prescription drugs that deplete our vitamins that etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a vicious cycle and we have to start with food and work on our gut probiotics are one way that we do that that's so we've got remove offending agents We've got replaced digestive enzymes, bile salts, immunoglobulins if you need them, diamine oxidase, stomach acid. We've got re-inoculate with the probiotics. Prebiotics are the foods, the high-fiber foods like inulin that the bacteria live off of. It's their preferential food. And if you give those prebiotics, you get a greater colony count. You get a greater bloom of those probiotic bacteria. Now, are there natural sources of these things that I can consume? Artichoke leaf. Um, is it is it changed if I cook it versus eating it? Nope. You still get the same benefit. Okay. You don't have to eat raw artichokes. <laughs> um, we get... Um, and then last R we didn't talk about is to repair the gut lining. Yeah. And that usually requires a combination of herbs and uh, amino acids, glutamine and glycine, aloe, um, tradition, very traditional rem- remedy, incredibly helpful, and licorice, the, not the uh, candy kind. But <laughs> I thought she was just going to say liquor. Can run out and get some Twizzlers. <laughs> but um, the root from the, from the plant is incredibly demulcent. It really helps thicken up that mucus lining to protect the gut, to help the um, bacteria have a healthy, friendly place to live so that they can grow and do their job. Now, so... Clearly, there's some 
if you look at this, if you want to read this as a prescription, if you will, because mm-hmm. technically that's basically, basically what you're talking about, to get our gut back in shape, which will get our immune system back in shape, which will mean I'm probably less likely to catch the flu or whatever bug is going around. I'll Absolutely. at least be more resistant. So if I do contract a disease, maybe I can fight it a little bit better and I'm not as sick as the next person. So it's a pretty cut and dried prescription that you have here, a list of simple things that I can do. Oh, not um, so simple, not so easy, yeah, but it's a good framework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> simple, not easy is like I, how I like to describe certain things like this. But the, the the challenge that I see with this, and you can talk about how do you move your patient from the starting point? We got to, re, you know, we're mm-hmm. starting at the first one. We're going to remove these things. Uh, and it's probably, you know, oh, geez, you're, you're ruining my life. How That, that to me, it, it, it Coming from a wound practice where one of the things that we see is diabetes affecting patients, putting them uh, with an at-risk ulcer on their foot, for example. But uh, the underpinning of the disease, that type of chronic disease, is behavior. So some genetics, of course. Yes, of course. But but those things, like much of our heart disease, for example, it can also be heavily impacted by my behavioral choices. So how do you show the patient? How do you get them to buy in that... I'm not just trying to be, you know, Buzz Killington here. Right. Um, this is really a drug. When you, whatever it is you consume, whether it's me with my vice right. of Coke Zero, or oh. yeah, seriously, I'm Satan sure. Syrup. I'm sure. Boy, it is. It's it is <laughs> the nectar syrup. of Satan. I can't get enough of it. Um, but uh, whatever whatever we put in our in our mouth, whether it's uh, something extremely healthy like uh, from Sean's Harvest Market that we learned about mm-hmm. today, or uh, you know something prepackaged that maybe has some preservatives and things like that in it that have obviously consequences that we've learned about here. How do you move me down f- to where I realize and appreciate the fact that this really is a drug? I don't care what it is, whether it's birthday cake right. or broccoli, that it has serious consequences about the state of health in my body. Right. Where it could, it could you know, put me on the, on the boat straight down to cardiac town or right. longevity. Right. Well, I think that's kind of a two-part question. The first part is how do I get my patients motivated? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer to that is relatively easy in my practice because they've already sought me out because they're motivated. And they've been going through it they've for 10 years. They've been going to somebody so else answers. and not yeah. and they're at their last straw. They don't have any other options. They, they they've tried everything they knew and I'm the first one that has new tricks or tools for them. So even if it's hard, they're willing to do it. It's hook, line and sinker, whatever I say. And that helps me be a better doctor because I have motivated patients. They are paying me cash. They have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. So whereas before I might write a prescription for somebody to, you know, eat less carbohydrate, I would say this is your one-cup diet. I only want you to consume one cup of starch at every meal. If you want to have butter beans and cornbread, that's fine. But they both got to fit in this one-cup measuring cup, and that's all you can have at this meal. They kind of rolled their eyes, and they might not even have a one-cup measuring. I rolled measuring. them in, in t- internally. I'm just like, boy, that just really sucks. Right. But the patients that come see me are motivated to I do gotta that. i got to get better. I've got to get better. If that's what it takes, I can get I can get by it. What else can I eat? I'm going to be hungry. If I only have one cup of cornbread and butter beans, what else can I eat? Some of my questions are, are, are somewhat loaded uh, and selfish in nature because I'm not the person yet, anyway, of knocking on wood, um, that I've, I've not been um, had to face chronic 
illness. complex illnesses to awesome. date. Um, so I've been very fortunate in that. And I haven't gotten sick very, very many times um, along the way either. So I've been lucky in that regard as well. But where I am as a person and as a patient potentially is I'm that person who has uh, my father died at 48 of previously undiagnosed and asymptomatic, or if it was symptomatic, it was so vague and, and atypical right. that he didn't know that he had heart problems and significant ones at that. He knew he had some high cholesterol that he was starting to work on right. um, and trying to be a little bit more active and so forth. But uh, I'm that person. I've got some family history that that is of concern. I'm an overall pretty decent shape, though right. now weight is an issue for me, right. um, trying to change my lifestyle. And I, I, we, we remark at our, in our home all the time, why is it so challenging to do what we, we, we want to do? We know, and yet the devil syrup calls right. and I pick up the Coke Zero or I pick up the, the pasta or the bread or you name right. whatever vice food that you want to Well, sometimes it that helps that the, that the symptoms that you didn't realize that you didn't feel well until you made a change. That's Yeah, that's exactly. And I'm not endorsing paleo, but I've been on the paleo diet for five weeks, and it was very much the elimination process. And I told you, CW, this weekend we went, so we splurged mm-hmm. for Valentine's yep. Day. You and did the I subtraction diet, you, and then you added a... I, I mean, it was I, I explained it like uh, whenever you drink a Coke and you feel that film in your mouth, my entire body felt that way and to the point where i mean come monday you know i was like i'm never doing that again. no cupcakes so if you've and pizza been for me like i uh, feel great you didn't know that you know that krista had been on a paleo type diet the basic underpinning of that is lots of lean meats lean vegetables meats, low, veggies fruit low no, glycemic index kind of foods yes yes, yes, yes. diabetic type mm-hmm. vegetables if right. you will and, and i i feel amazing I and mean, you were planning to do a cheat Weekend, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had pizza, cheese, cupcakes. I mean, we did it. We yeah. went all out. Well, you know, it was a cheat it weekend. Just, yeah. It was great for a day, and then we took it another day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But you just get so used to feeling horrible, horrible, compared to how I felt right. on week five. And I just... I mean, like I said, I'm not a morning person, but I would wake up in the morning and be half the monster I used to be. Right. Um, it just... It's this huge huge difference and you know and I hear that over and over I didn't realize how bad I felt yeah. until I started feeling better you start eating so you to, make those eliminations and you and the brain fog clears and you didn't even know you had brain mm-hmm. fog and the joint pain gets better and you're like wow I've forgotten what it was like to walk without that ache in my knees I, yeah you when you suffer from pain for so long you forget you're feeling it until you don't you have com- it you come to accommodate to it and yeah. you don't realize mm-hmm. how much it it's it is bothering you until it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, so then you're motivated to stay on, tra- on track again once you see the positive outcomes. We're also very data-driven in my practice. I always tell patients, you know, this is what your number is, and this is where we want it to be. This is what the lab normal is, but this is where ideal is. And then they're competitive, and they don't want to be outside the normal. They don't want to be outside the ideal. And mm. so what can I do to make my cholesterol get in that target mm. zone or my vitamin D or my B12 or my th- T3 or T4, whatever it takes? I want to do that because I want to be the best that I can be. 
We've been talking with Dr. Ellie Campbell, one of my favorite guests. We've had her on a couple of times, and you can see why it's uh, great to have her in because she always shares some amazing information that if you latch on and, and uh, integrate it into your life, uh, clearly it's going to have some measure of uh, impact, if not a significant impact, on uh, your state of well-being and just how you feel uh, every day. So... If I'm not fortunate enough to be one of your patients, right. and not everybody will be able to, um, what can I do if if I want to try to either, A, get more educated because obviously having a better understanding of these types of things, where, where can I go for good information that if I'm not a doctor or a nurse that I can understand it right. um, and, and, and begin to make some of these changes? Um, or if, if I'm you know, not able to get to a direct pay physician, particularly you, um, to, to get my care and get all these things taken care of. Um, how can I advocate better when I'm going to my primary care physician that I do go to see? Cause not all, you know, some of our listeners are going to have a primary care doctor that they go to all the time. What should I ask about? And, and, uh, and clearly I'm probably going to have to do some measure of battle sometimes. I'm sure some doctors are going to say, Oh, that's hooey. That's, Pashaw, right. but uh, clearly right. you see it every day in your practice. When do. people do what you say, they get better. That's right. So, well, okay. I, I think part of the problem is there's not a good place for people to start getting this information. For me, as a clinician, I've had to go to hundreds of hours of continuing education classes, um, not sponsored by drug reps. Therefore, they're twice as expensive as the average conference in order to get the information that I get. Um, the Institute of Functional Medicine has a nice website for starters. So that um, yeah, instituteoffunctionalmedicine.com. The um, in, uh, Integrative College of Integrative Medicine has another pretty decent website. And the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine has another good website. So just kind of Googling those places to start. Um, Ask me again in a year when my book is out. I'm working on writing a book called Six Simple Steps to a Simply Better You. It's those oh, cool. first six things that we all need to do towards better health that That's starts great. at we the beginning. We need to link her up with Candy Cross. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Um, a guest on the show that was uh, just ahead of you as a ghostwriter that okay. could potentially help you tell your story awesome. and help you share that information with uh, with our listeners out there who become readers. Um um, so that, those are some places. I think everybody needs to ask their doctor about getting a vitamin D blood test. So they want to get a 25-hydroxy vitamin D level and then supplement with vitamin D3. Most patients are going to require much higher doses than their doctors are willing to tell them about in order to reach levels. We can have a whole lecture on vitamin D one time. Um, I give that lecture all the time to physicians an hour just on vitamin D or 90 minutes just on <laughs> vitamin D um, and all the things that it does. But it is um, it regulates blood sugar, blood pressure, the immune system, and uh, prevents flu just as well as the flu vaccine in some studies. <laughs> so uh, vitamin D3, get your blood level up to 55 to 80. That's the optimal range for prevention. So get your vitamin D level, know your number. That's one thing. Um, talk to your doctor about your family history. If you have any family history of cardiovascular disease, ask for an advanced lipid profile and a carotid ultrasound to look for your CIMT, carotid intima media okay. thickness. So those are early predictors of cardiovascular disease, early predictors of stroke that can be modified. And um, that your journey may be 
difficult once you get those answers because your doctor may not be familiar with some of the, the, the ways to modify these, but at least getting the information is a good place to start. The other trick that I want people to know is um, when you're on Google, there's a specific place where you can Google scholarly articles. So there's that little nine dot icon in the upper yep. right corner of yep. Google. Click yep. on that. Then it'll go to more at the bottom, then even more. Scroll three quarters of down the page. You'll find Google Scholar. Hidden treasure right there. What we'll do is we'll uh, make sure we tweet that. Yeah. So when you get to Google Scholar, you are only going to research scholarly articles. The Internet's the world's largest bathroom wall, and sometimes what's on there is true. I sometimes assume you could probably Google Google Scholar false, and take you there, too. And sometimes it's uh, purposely misleading. But Google Scholar will get you to good research articles, and you can even screen it by year. I only want to look at 2013, 2014 wow. medical articles. Well, I, I told you I'd keep you for 30 minutes, and here we are um, coming up on an Never hour. Never true to that, Arian. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, I mean, you get to talking to Dr. Campbell yeah, here, and you can see really why it's easy to keep stuff. her around and, and uh, keep her talking. I'm feeling good, CW. I'm still in my 20s, and I'm doing ev- I've done everything that she's saying. Awesome. So. Starts with like food. It. Well, if you yeah. are listening to our show, um, as we've been sitting here talking to integrative medicine specialist Dr. Ellie Campbell, and you come up with a question and you didn't uh, take the opportunity to tweet to us during the show or Facebook to us, uh, please take the opportunity to do that because we'll pass it along. We do. Awesome. Ha- we have the opportunity to be able to uh, get in touch with Dr. Campbell and we can get some questions answered. We can uh, link you up with them. You can check out their website and their Facebook page. I know I follow them there. We're tied into their page and you share some great articles there, uh, blog type articles and, and different things that you're putting out so that folks can get educated along the lines of what we've been talking about today on and a, n- a number of other topics as well. So make sure that you uh, follow Dr. Campbell. Um, she's at uh, Campbell Fam F A M Med Campbell Fam Med on Twitter, and uh, if you look up Campbell Family Medicine on uh, com, or that's our website. Yep, yeah, you can link into your social media from the website as well. Uh, if you haven't done so already, clearly you need to get to following uh, the Top Docs Radio Show on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Top Docs on BRX on both sites. And uh, we link up with all of our guests so that you can get information there. Are you on LinkedIn as well? We are. And so I'm sure that if you reached out and uh, connected with Dr. Campbell on LinkedIn, she'd be happy to uh, have you in her network as well. And um, if you're somebody that's looking for a primary care physician that can help you and your loved ones achieve a higher level of health, probably better uh, than you ever thought uh, with a much more simple approach, or at least with one that relies on a whole lot less on pharmaceuticals, you need to uh, get to uh, Dr. Campbell's office in Suwannee is where you we're are, actually right? We moved. Um, we're now in oh, the... Oh, that's right. You moved up to Cumming. Yeah, we're in the Avenue Mall now called yeah. The Collection. At Exit Pride. 13? Exit 13. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You're real close to our, our Cumming practice location. Anything else you, you want to leave for the, the listeners with um, before we have to jump off? Just one quick thing. Some patients are looking for concierge-style direct-pay doctors that are not functional medicine trained just to have a private relationship with their doctor concierge medicine today is a good place for them to look concierge medicine today Mm -hmm. okay i'll make sure that we link that on the uh, summary page for Mm -hmm. the show where you come to the download the podcast we'll make sure that we uh, put that out there so that folks can link to that and and, uh, navigate to it 
when they've come and, and downloaded the podcast and hopefully shared it with all the people that they know. Excellent information, Dr. Campbell. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy day. I'm sorry that you had to undergo such a journey, an <laughs> odyssey, if you will, to, to get to us today. Lot. But it was worth it, right? <laughs> it was worth it. If we're it's bitter get, at the start, it's the sweeter in the end, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to go and, and do some uh, editorial input. I'll we'll have the ghostwriter that we had her on earlier today on Midtown Business Radio. Maybe can, she can craft a better tale than I did as to how to get to us here at the studio. So, Ellie, thanks for taking some time, man. I love it. You. It's it's awesome having you here every time. Obviously, we need to have you back, and we'll plan to have some of those patients that you talked sure. about. Uh, one or two of them can come and tell their story about how, how I was uh, in, in – involved with XYZ number of specialists and taking so many medications and now here's my story and here's where I'm at. I'd look forward to sharing that with uh, everyone out there clearly. Excellent information uh, and so I'm really happy to be able to uh, have you come in and share that with the community. Anything else from you? Ms. No, Baruti? this has been a, a great episode. Well, it's like been I said, a good day of I'm, shows I'm today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Made thank me, you so much. Made Dr. me glad that I came to the studio today. So thank you very much, My Dr. Pleasure. Ellie Campbell, Ellie Campbell Family, Campbell Family Medicine, integrative medicine specialist. Get to know her and her staff. They're awesome. And we really appreciate all of you out there. We've been listened to from at least 45 countries, at least 45 states. You other five states better get on board, man. We Come gotta on. We got to get them. People in Brazil them. and India are listening to us. South Dakota yeah. should be able <laughs> on, to South get Dakota. educated. Come on. <laughs> we'll see you all same time, same place next week.